Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon. Welcome to Royal Blue podcast, uh, the Monday night pod. Um, sort of one where we usually pour over the, the, the weekend's game. And... Uh, Usually we're not quite as a grim mood as this, although uh, that's not really reflective of recent weeks. But let, you know, Stamford Bridge aside, I can't think of a, a worse performance this season. Um, it's me, Greg O'Keefe, Gav Buckland and Dave Prentice joining us this week. And Preno, you watched the yesterday. Where'd you oh. start? <laughs> I know uh, Kuma said afterwards that he was worried about some aspects of the performance, and understandably so. But the biggest worry for me is a, it smacked of a performance from players that don't really believe in what they're being asked to do. Uh, and having come so quickly into a new manager's reign, that really, really concerns me. Um, you know, certainly the tail end of the Martinez regime, we could see it. You know, we could see quite clearly the players didn't believe in what they were being asked to do. Um, initially, under Ronald Koeman, yeah, great. You know, so the players were buying into it. They were changing things. They were you know, speaking very, very positively about the impact on the training ground, you could see the impact on the pitch. But certainly in the last five or six games, whether it's a confidence issue or something, I don't know. But what worries me most is the apparent lack of urgency in so much of the play. I mean, that was embarrassing, that first 60 seconds, where I thought match of the day two was a bit harsh in highlighting Aaron Lennon as being you know, the guy that was you know, at fault for not you know, closing down on the halfway line and losing possession. But everything that followed that, I mean, Leighton Baines was far too slow in getting out to close down. Gay How gave the, the ball away. Gay gave the ball away and won a tackle, the kind of tackle he was cleaning out very early in the season. And I feel Jaggy Elker, it looked like a fairly standard headed, headed clearance, which, which he missed. So you could pick holes galore in it. But from that moment on, just the urgency was lacking. There seemed to be players that weren't quite at it. And that worries me. I don't know whether it's you know, something to do with confidence or whether it's something worse than that. But you know, Ronald Koeman needs to get to the bottom of it very, very quickly because it's all very well looking ahead to January, which we are doing, thinking, great, OK, well, new faces will come in and they will change things around. But there's an awful lot of football to be played between now and then. Yeah. And an awful lot of very, very difficult football matches that have got to be negotiated. Otherwise, Everton will find themselves you know, at the bottom end of the table. Yeah, I, I said last week, um, David, and I said that actually the last couple of weeks, is, you know, as you say, mentioned January. Actually, there's probably a few players there who know they've got no future under Q yeah. and they may being told that already. And any organisation yeah. where you've got like a group of play, a group of people of employees who know that they've got very limited future or restricted yeah. future, that's bound to be reflected in their performances. Yeah. Not only that, sometimes that attitude can sort of then then sort of drift towards other people. Yeah. And I do think that that maybe is one of the contributing factors at the moment. Is this just this uncertainty? Uh, around uh, people's futures has probably affected their game. Yeah. Whereas at the start of the season, where players were playing for the futures, maybe you just saw a bit more of a, you know, I won't say positive attitude, but, you know, a bit more determination to succeed. And whether now people know where he stands, there's this, like, this sort of like this period, I'd say, which is very dangerous now, isn't it, over the next five or six weeks? Yeah. We were playing some good teams, yeah. better than we played so far, probably, yeah. than City. Uh, where though we're seventh at the moment, that's only because <laughs> the teams are equally, you know, going through poor yeah. on a form, the same as us, uh, that are keeping us there. And, and I think that, to me, is, is, is the reason that I can think of. That, that makes sense. But if that is the case, I think that reflects badly on uh, Ronald Koeman's man management. 
because you know clearly you've got to try and overcome that. You know, if there are players who are in the squad that you don't fancy, you've still got to use them. You've still got to you know make them feel wanted yeah. to get the best out of them until ultimately you dispense with them. I mean, clearly Umanias, you know, he's laid his cards on the table mm. in that respect, but he's been quite supportive of Phil Jagielka, of Leighton Baines, of you know the older players that you would you know the people that you would think that maybe are nearing the end of their uh, mm. their shelf life. He's been quite uh, publicly supportive of them. So I don't know, maybe the players need to look, you know, so longer and harder themselves. I think, yeah, I think what concerned me was that there was very little difference in that performance and the latter stages of, well, the, the very death throes of Martinez's reign. Yeah. Games, you know, Sunderland away, uh, Leicester. All right, we didn't concede the shed load, but we, we did that at Stamford yeah. Bridge a couple of weeks earlier. But, you know, one win in, in eight, uh, one win in nine in all fixtures, that sort of, haphazard they're defending for the first goal and pretty lacklustre repost really you know I saw somebody say oh go 1-0 down in the second half so we did surely that was the kick up the backside they needed to come back and win the game 2-1 or 3-1 but they just I think Phil made the observation they didn't seem to get the competitive spirit fired up and to really have a go at it until about an hour later yeah. and I just think yeah you know Koeman it's, it's very early days and he's shown so many positives but what was the difference between that and the end of Martinez's reign? The, the big, the horrible statistic that we're getting trotted out afterwards was that Gareth Barry shot in the last minute was the first shot on target, I think, in the last three away games. And again, you know, it smacks of a lack of urgency, a lack of passion. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I know Joe, Neil Jones today has uh, written a piece about is it time to introduce the kids. Mm. And there is a suspicion that Ronald Koeman isn't as willing to you know utilize kids as you know maybe Martinez or you know even David Moyes did, uh, because he's very much an of them of the now mm. of, the, of the of the time manager. He doesn't look at a long term project. You know he wants instant results. Therefore he's not likely to indulge Tom Davis for six or seven games. Mm. Or let's see how Mason Holgate does. But you'd argue at the moment those kids would probably give you a bit more passion and a bit more urgency than we're seeing at the moment. And in games where you're desperately going to need that, like United at Goodison and Watford away and Arsenal at Goodison, mm. uh, I don't think there's anything to be lost by you know injecting one or two of them in. Yeah, I, I would imagine that when people saw Josh Sims playing for Southampton yesterday, yeah. that was the, the first thing. Well, that should be like Tom Davis exactly, yeah. playing. Yeah, I mean, picking up on Penno's point from the start, I, I was thinking about yesterday and afterwards about that, you know, um, that definition of insanity, you know, like doing the same thing yeah. over and over again and expecting different results and yeah. I'm not, not creating anybody's mental health there obviously but like that's a pay that to me is like what appears to be happening at the moment is that with a few tweaks behind Rome we're very very much putting the same team yeah. out week yeah. after same week aren't we? yeah. but then expecting Ron, Ronald's expecting something different yeah. but it's just not it's just not happening is it well he changed yeah. it at Chelsea and we got something different yeah that well yeah but, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah I'd say that that yeah. was that was like yeah. sort of the defensive errors rather than tactics. But it's you know still it was by and large the same people, wasn't it really? Yeah. And um, that that's the worrying thing for me is that we're not really doing anything to try and address it. And whether that maybe tweaking the formation slightly, maybe going nobody feels like this four two three one at the moment. Whether it's like at City where they played four three three, they appear to be a little bit more compact mm. and a little bit more more fluid, especially when McCarthy came on mm. in the second half and whether like the scope is actually to play four three three. And whether that includes Bell actually saying to Ross well, actually you're not part of four three three play McCarthy if he's fit, Barry and a disagree as you today. 
and then playing Ron and two out of whoever. Yeah, yeah. Ron, Balassi and somebody mm. else as, as your three. Maybe that's like a short-term answer. Because nobody appears like this 4-2-3-1 at the feels moment. feels stale. It, it yeah. definitely feels stale. Um, it, the formation, I mean, it, I saw somebody tweeted, uh, I think it might have been Elliot Bretland, tweeted that uh, it was the same, it's the same old, tired, almost like Groundhog Day uh, scenario, 4-2-3-1, slow start, concede, chase the game, maybe drops to three at the back as we push forward. And that pattern has become dreamily familiar, hasn't it? And the sort of goodwill that, that we... Everton engendered earlier in the season when you know, they beat Borough, beat Sunderland. It feels like a distant memory. And as you say, whether it is, it's, I'm always loath to kind of, because Ross Park gets the finger pointed at him way too quickly. And it's always, you know, everyone else was awful yesterday as well. So it'd be unfair yeah. to single him out. But that position where he plays is so important, really. And if it's in a 4 2 3 1, and you need to support Lukaku. I just don't think he's doing enough to justify his, his place in the team. Well, I mean, we saw a number of misplaced passes from, from Ross yesterday, but, I mean, and again, an alarming statistic was that you found Romelu Lukaku with a pass yeah. once, once in 90 minutes. I think, oh, sorry, twice. Martin Stecklenberg found Lukaku more times than, than Ross Barkley, and Ross Barkley's a number 10. Now, does that mean that Ross Barkley maybe isn't, you know, earmarked for that role? He could be better, you know, used elsewhere? I find it a difficult one discussing, Ross Barkley, because he clearly does have an immense amount of talent, um, but you just don't see it expressed as often as, as it should be. A number ten has got to be, you know, a really sparky, sprightly, creative player. You know, in the Eden Hazard, in the Philip Coutinho mould. You know, a player that makes things happen, that scores goals, and you know, creates chances regularly. Ross scores, you know, a reasonable amount of goals, but you don't see en enough, you know, that spiky creativity around the box and. I don't know. Is, is he better? You know, as a number eight, maybe. You know, so as a you know, a whole. It's a regular discussion, but he's not yeah. even scoring goals at the moment, is he? No. He's not shooting. You know, yeah. he used to have quite a de decent success rate from shooting outside the box. Yeah. He seems to stop doing that. Yeah, but sometimes he can pick up the ball too deep, can he? You know, like you say, he's wanted to be a ten. Yeah. You want to play them just that role. You know, like David Silva or something like in and around the opposition box, don't we? Yeah. Be. But Ross is picking up the ball sort of like in our half, you know, on occasions mm. and. Having said that, I mean, not passing to Rom, that not necessarily might be Ross's problem. Rom's also got to make himself available and yeah, find yeah, space, yeah, hasn't he, you know? Yeah. And that was the other thing yesterday, and this the thing but, but Rom, isn't it, that, you know, sometimes he needs to put his game head on, doesn't he? He's, you get the impression that when things aren't going well, he's one of the first whose heads go down. Uh, you know, when tailing the last season, for example, like the last two or three months, he's going through the motions entirely. And you just worry that something similar might be happening now in the you know, performances aren't good, uh, results aren't good. So he's not the type that's going to like absolutely turn into a firebrand and try and make it happen. You know, Diego Costa, if you like, he'll just wait until the service returns again. And then, you know, he'll become the very, very good player that we know he is. And yeah, he does need to do more. He makes needs to show himself more. But it's a two-way thing. You know, he will always claim, I suppose, that if the service isn't there, he can't do that. There's just an awful lot of things wrong at the moment. Quite how you uh, rectify that in the short term is difficult to support. Yeah, we have to mention the skipper again, Jackie Elka. Someone mentioned uh, during the sort of uh, the fume, inevitable fume, and an understandable fume afterwards. That there's a fear that that was their fear that it was going to be like a sort of slow death by a thousand cuts, like Distan suffered, where all that goodwill engendered over many years of of. of faithful kind of displays and being a good club man 
and a good p- defender might be eroded, especially in this the sort of social media age where yeah. each display, if this isn't just a protracted run of bad form, and if it is actually just the end, then it's going to be eroded in, in, in a sad way, really. Well, it sounds too sentimental. I think it would be sad. Um, I'm still clinging to the, the hope that it is just a poor run of form because, you know, in general sense, he's not... He's only 34. Now, you know, this stand started to go when he was 36, so I hope he might have a year left in him, but the evidence at the moment is suggesting not. Again, he didn't cover himself in glory for the goal. Again, I know you mentioned that Neil Jones stats piece. He, he lost far more headers than he won. Um, he just, just didn't cover himself in any sort of what you would expect level of performance. Yeah, it has been worrying for a couple of weeks now, and the time surely is right for Funes Mori to be given, you know, a, a run, if not an extended run. I mean, I'm not a, a massive fan of Funes Mori. I think he does, you know, act a little bit rashly on occasion and you know dive in far many times than he ought to. And I've always thought that Jagielka is the older, more composed head. Um, but at the moment, Jagielka's costing Everton goals. I mean, he cost Everton you know, all three points at the weekend yeah. by not winning that header. Uh, the, the penalties that he's conceded this season. I, I like Jagielka an awful lot, uh, and it has been a fairly dramatic uh, erosion of mm. form and like yourself I hope that maybe it is temporary rather than long term um, but I think the time has come where you know changes do need to be made whether that's Mason Holgate coming in who did nothing wrong for me at the start of the season I didn't really see you know why he should lose his place as quickly as he did uh, or you know Murray certainly coming in you know things like you said earlier Gav you know so repeating yourself and expecting you know things it's to change yeah, yeah. It, do, it doesn't happen so you know changes do have to be made and you know that, that's certainly two obvious ones that, that could be made. You know, so defensively, because even the fullback, right, you know, areas, you know, Holgate has played fullback before, and Coleman has been so in and out for me this season. Yeah. I mean, all right, he pulled that ball back beautifully for you know, it's just a guy who should really have done a lot better. But it, it was a fleeting moment. You know, his passing has been awry this season. And Baines, he, you know, he hasn't quite come back and been at it as yeah. he should do. You can pick holes all the way. Yeah, through. but he could I mean, before you, but you know. We look at the look there yesterday. You got Stefanberg who's what thirty four. I know yeah. slightly different with keepers. Jags is thirty four as well, yeah. isn't it? As you said. Yeah. Ashley Williams is thirty two. Yeah. Leighton Baines is thirty two. Gareth Barry is what thirty five. Is he? Yeah. You know, thirty six this season. Going on thirty six. Um. So that's like sort of four or five of your players out of eleven. Yeah. yeah. Who are like thirty two yeah. plus. In a and league which is like so intense. Yeah. Now. Phil McNulty so called it the Dad's Army. Yeah. Really yeah. Strange, so. there, was, there, there was some, there was a article written this morning that there was, there was a line that says, you know, that's a 2011 feel about it. And I think those individual players are decent, but put them all together sometimes yeah. in the same mix. Yeah. All the weaknesses tend yeah. to be found out a little bit, don't they? And if you think like James is what, James is what, James is 28, isn't he? You know, so. You haven't have looked there. I mean, Blassie's twenty-seven, isn't he? There's mm. only Roman. Top of my head, Roman Rossi were probably under, yeah, under twenty-five, perhaps. Mm. I think Seamus is one of those players. I'm not second suggesting that twenty-eight is old in any terms, even in football terms, where ageing is kind of like a totally different concept in some ways. He's got a lot of miles on the clock, hasn't he? Because a bit like Rooney in a sense, not quite so young. But he did. He was thrust into the Premier League at a young age yeah. from Ireland and, and started playing regularly for Everton. You know, oh, yeah, in his been, early twenties. Yeah, a couple of years ago, he all played the season by some distance, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, and I think uh, you've only got to see some of the clubs he's been linked with in, in his time at Everton. Like, but he's another one where that general malaise is just 
extended to over yeah. the last sort of six to twelve months, and 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 that was the point. I was going to raise this. Bear in mind, you just basically not criticised, but you know, be picked faults in like most of the team yeah. apart from. Do you think that the January transfer window, Kuma's looking at in a completely different light to what he would have been at the start of the season, based on what he's seen so far in terms of the number of people that he's got to got to bring in or wants to bring in? I think he would have to. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a word an interview recently where he talked about you know the number of players he was looking to bring in and you could argue that most positions you know you can improve on significantly um, yeah to begin with you know managers will come in and they'll always be you know pleasantly surprised you know by some players and they'll uh, other players will be not quite as good as they were anticipating um, but I think you know Ronald Koeman will have rolled his eyes I think over the last few weeks and thought you know there's an awful lot of uh, attention being needed in several areas here and that has, you know, worries and concerns all of its own anyway. You know, trying to bring in five or six new faces and trying to embed them into a new team and a new system very rarely works. You know, and January is always seen as a bit of a, a, a panic transfer window to buy in anyway. But this is looking like, you know, sort of panic stations at the moment. Um, things seem to be unravelling so quickly. And given how testing this little run of fixtures coming up now is... Mm. It doesn't take you know a wild stretch of the imagination to see Everton you know going into the Christmas fixture list you know having only one another like one out of the next five or six games that'd be like what two wins in fifteen and that's like relegation form that and you know there's sufficient points in the bank early doors to you know maybe stop Everton falling down that far but you know that malaise just seems to grip the whole club then the fans get dispirited you know yeah and, and that's the point because I I thought at the start of the season that. You know, maybe like get three or four in in January and then three or four or a bit yeah. more in, in the summer. So you're incrementally building on the team, <coughs> you know, building Excuse the team me. up. But, and that's easily done than bringing eight yeah. players, seven or eight players in January, isn't it? But as you say, the market's not the same. Yeah. And also, there's probably in- integrating players mid season. Sometimes you get the players when January, they're not even fit, are they, after yeah. having not been playing? And um, I just think it's, it's caused. This little run and, and what's what may happen between now and Christmas has caused us a bit of a problem with the January yeah. transfer window really about we, yeah. and how it then affects the longer term strategy of the club. Well, you said I think you you said it before and Phil definitely reflected it in his verdict yesterday. I think it's dangerous and, and maybe naive for us all to expect January to provide all the answers because just you know building on what you've you've both already rightly said about January, the likelihood is based on past transfer windows, is that Everton will do their business right up to the wire. So in other words, right at the end of January, it tends to be when Everton do the business. Um, I'd like to hope they might, it might change because needs must, but it's been the case in the past when it would have been better to do the business early. They don't tend to. So that's almost another month without these new players. Then the players come in, and as you've both said, they need time to adjust, they need time to get to understand the teammates, the manager get to play the system of supposedly high-tempo pressing yeah, that Cumin that demands, although I haven't seen much of that recently. Yeah. So you could be looking at at least until March before really, if you, if you want to expect in an ideal with all those players to hit the ground. I, I guess you need the forward player or, or the second striker to come in and almost hit the ground running to make this season anything other than, you know, realistically, we've been lucky, haven't we, because we're still yeah. seventh somehow. That, that can happen as well. I mean, thinking back to the Nikita Djelovic signing, you know, not that many years ago, 
who, you know, transformed the team, you know, and hit the ground running, like you say. Unfortunately, he stopped running after six months. <laughs> but, you know, for, for those first six yeah, months, it yeah. was something else. And so, you know, if you make it the right kind of signing in January, it can give everybody else a lift around them yeah. and, you know, sort of transform things. But finding that player is easier said than done. And, you know, certainly a striker that's going to fit in. I mean, the current setup, you know, the, there doesn't seem to be room for like another striker in the squad. So quite how you, you would do it, I don't know. And I, I can't think, top of my head, of a name out there. You know, there must be somebody in the European leagues, but you know, it's re relying on that person to then come in yeah. and to settle into the system very, very quickly. Should we sign Jelovic back, do you think, Dante? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where is he, China, is he, or whatever he is? I yeah, he yeah. started running since then. <laughs> he? I mean, we haven't really... It's difficult because I think before he got injured, he wasn't at the level that we'd sort of he'd hinted at. But Mohamed Besic has been off the radar for a good long while. Now, he's someone who definitely wears his heart on his sleeve and I think it's it's a little bit overstating it of course by saying we need some passion back. You know, you need yeah, passion, but you need players who are at it as well. I, I just wonder if, you know, he certainly doesn't lack uh, edge and, and menace and aggression when he plays. Maybe he's the, a, yeah. could be the new like a new signing well, when he's fit again. Under to Kuba. me, you know, he's the ideal replacement for Jesse Gay when he goes to the African Nations Cup. Um, but it's whether you can keep Besic fit. I mean, his his entire Everton career has been plagued, hasn't it? With yeah. you know, yeah. hamstring. When's he out till Besic? I think he's getting. New, I think he's in the final yeah. phase of his rehab, yeah. so he's looking at. You know, I, I would I, be surprised if he wasn't back by January. Yeah, I've not really seen enough of him to no. decide whether he's. You know, he's had the odd good game. I think City. Man City in the, the semi-final. Final first good, leg, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not really seen enough of him to, to decide whether he's a good player yeah. or not, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mm. Though, as I say, he has gives us an option that's not there at the moment, but um, the jury's out and you do wonder, you know, how long again is it before he he breaks down Something again? Like, again you yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, McCarthy appears to be in that sort of start-stop mode as well, doesn't he? Wasn't you know, even at the in moment, the squad yesterday. You know, um, we've got a few players like that, hasn't he? Leighton's a bit like that, has been for 18 months, which hasn't helped in a... So there's, you know, I think there's a lot of lot of groundwork to be done. Yeah. Isn't on a slightly less uh, less grim note, it was a, a pleasant seeing at Goodison on Saturday, Prano, wasn't <laughs> it? When the Golden Vision. Yeah. Returned. And, uh, to be honest, I didn't realise he, he was quite as uh, as old as he is. Seventy nine years now, um, and he doesn't get down to Merseyside very often these days. He's had you know a couple of health issues in recent years, um, so it was absolutely wonderful to see him uh, back at Goodison again. Reveling in the you know the limelight that you know Everton Evertonians of a certain age you know offer him I absolutely adore the guy, and it was um, an initiative that David Francis put together. He, he he's like Alex Young's number one fan, I think you would be fair to say, and um, he decided to put together what he's called a follow-up uh, to the Golden Vision, you know the, the seminal 1968 documentary. Film, yeah. yeah, and it's it's almost you know a, a, an up-to-date documentary you know of Alex Young's story. Uh, with lots of comment from people, Duncan Ferguson, you know, is on it. Uh, you know, Walter Smith, loads of people talking about Alex Young, and I think uh, Saturday was the final edit, if you like, whereby the audience that was watching this uh, documentary are then going to be included in the final edit. So you know, a really nice idea, but it was it just it. It brought back memories before my time I hasten to add as well. We <laughs> uh, did debate that before yeah. the podcast started. Uh, yeah, you know, so truly were great. You know, when Alex Young was a member of a title winning team in '63 and an FA Cup winning team in '66, and a time when you know footballers were absolutely idolised, and it, it was just a, a really well put together afternoon. It was enjoyed by the people who were there. 
Uh, I think Alex himself, you know, has certainly loved being back at Goodison again. We've got some lovely pictures of him, you know, in the Alex Young suite, and you're pointing at one of the team pictures on the wall in Goodison. So, uh, you know, we'll be using them the next day or so. But yeah, it just in, in light of what you know was experienced the following day, it was uh, it, it was a positive moment in the afternoon. And we haven't had seen any of them. <laughs> yeah, probably do with them now. To be honest, really, couldn't we? Like, you know, <laughs> no, I think it's, it's interesting, Young, isn't he? Because th there's always been a paradox to me about his Evans Everton career and. Dare I say, I wasn't around to, to watch him. Is that, you know, by his old admission, he could go missing in games, yeah. couldn't he? So, for somebody who's. It, it's this paradox that he's probably the most worship player in Goodison history, but actually, when you look at his career, you know, there was times where he, he went missing. Well, but yeah. there's, there's a crack yeah. in. When I was walking into work on Friday morning, one of the cleaners here, older fella, called me over. Oh, he I says, know, oh, You're yeah. going to this Goodison thing tomorrow? And I said, Oh, you Alex Young thing. I said, Oh, you remember him, won't you? Yeah, yeah. He was crap. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I said, what? Are you sure? And you, same thing. He said that you yeah, went missing. Yeah, in the but, but that's the point, though, isn't it? It's it's the heights that he reached yeah. at certain times or certain games in his career. Very few Everton players have, have reached. And also, as well, he embodied that skill of science yeah. ethos that very few, if any, have, have matched. And I think that's why he's so beloved, though. There's an underlying yeah. paradox in his career. Um, and then there's probably, fa you know, over the far more effective players over the seven or eight year period but it was the peaks he reached yeah. in that time that he's remembered for yeah. and, and and the spirit that he embodies in a style of play that i think uh, that's why he's worshipped isn't he yeah know? very much so it was in an era as well you know when football fans you know lived breathed you know sort of drank their football because i know you know nowadays you know there's a you know a huge amount of passion and intensity about you know supporting your football club but you know i remember what it was like in the 70s certainly and i believe in the 60s it was even more so it was absolutely relentless you know yeah. so people just you know absolutely absorbed every single bit of their football club applaud david france for for going absolutely, in the yeah. extra mile for doing it as well and uh, brilliant to see him back in merseyside i implore you if you haven't seen the golden vision to dig out a copy and i think it's on youtube uh, you can find a copy uploaded. It's a, it was a BBC Ken Loach film, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, absolutely hilarious and a real insight into. Well, it's of uh, its time, isn't it? You yeah. Know, there's a, you know a couple of uh, risque. <laughs> yeah, you know you raise your eyebrows up, but um, it's just it's an insight into what watching football was all about. Yeah. And one of the guys here actually interviewed a, a chap called John Munro, who was a, a young supporter. It was actually in the film itself. Um, and you know, Ken Loach just said he wanted a group of genuine Evertonians who were going down to the game in our, our Arsenal uh, to appear in it, and they did. And you know, back in the days when you had to, you know, jump on a in a transit van and travel, you know, eight or nine hours overnight yeah. because the M1 wasn't open properly, and it, it was just an incredible snapshot <laughs> of, of history. I was doing that in the eighties, though. To be fair, <laughs> I took the back of a transit van, like yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, at least we finished this podcast with smiles on our faces, and I didn't expect that when we started. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday as we reflect on some different themes and look towards the small matter of United at Goodison Park. Thank you.